Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. The workplace is changing so drastically. Generationally, there are so many different people with so many different needs are represented. This is not your grandfather's workplace anymore. The days of old-style command and control bosses are gone, and the new employee wants something much, much different. So we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be digging deep into the research from Gallup as we dig into the book, It's the Manager. And we're joined today on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast by one of the co-authors, Jim Clifton. Jim, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. It's great to be here. We're so glad to have you here. And, it, the, you know, when we first heard about this book and we heard about your research and and hearing right off the bat that this is the largest global study of the future of work by Gallup, it really got our notice. Um, why was this so important? And we talked a little bit before you said this is, this is something like four or five years of research. Why was this so important for you to dig into? Well, <clears throat> uh, we've been noticing at Gallup that if you look at engagement scores in the United States or in the world, now remember, I'm not talking about satisfaction. I'm talking about where you're engaged, where you go to work, you believe you're developing, making a contribution to something bigger than you are. The numbers are tiny. In the United States, there's about 125 million workers, but just 30% of them feel they're engaged, engaged at work. I mean, um, you know, which means you got... 70% that aren't. If you go to the world where there's about 1 billion real full-time jobs, the number's only 15%. So whatever the world thinks management is, I'll oversimplify, it's not working. And so um, what we did is uh, we assigned our Gallup labs. We said, dig into it and find out what's not working. Um, but so there, it's a sample size of 29 million. There's there's never been any, anything like uh, done like that before. But but inside of it, uh, Chad was um, 300,000 teams across 160 countries where we had outcomes related to them. So you could rank order 300,000 teams. So clear up at the top, they're really high, are like Navy SEALs. That they can go complete projects that are that appear to be uh, impossible. And then down at the other end, you have teams that were, who are given very easy assignments and they, and they can't, can't perform them. But the question is, what's the, what explains the variance? I mean, this extraordinary variance. And, and what we found was 70% of the variance can uh, uh, be, be assigned to just one attribute, which is the manager. 
And so when you when you think about that and you dig into the research, uh, you found that the quality of the manager and the team leaders, the biggest single factor in an organizational's long-term success, how hard, and we're going to dig into some of the strategies and ideas, but do you feel like this is going to be a, a difficult thing for some organizations to embrace that it, it goes all the way down pretty much, you know, towards the low end of the, the pyramid, so to speak? I think they'll. I think they can do it. That the, the numbers are depressing, but the possibilities are really inspiring. I think an awful lot of people have just been led down uh, uh, kind of roads of with no returns. And again, I mean this with great respect for Google. But a book that comes out, you know, where you're supposed to have volleyball courts and free lunch, bring your pet to work. I mean, those are cool things. Right. Fortune magazine give you know the winners have like latte machines on. I mean, that's just great. Do all those things. It's it's not what the what the world demands out of the workplace. What they're really interested in is development, which is the same thing that we want from the teams. Yeah, we've all heard the term that people don't typically quit organizations. They don't quit jobs. They they quit managers in a lot of cases. So there's a lot uh, a lot of, of your research is fitting right into that. So let's dig into some of the strategies. So if if you were across the table from a group of of of, of high level leaders at, at any organization, where would you start them thinking about the strategy to help move the needle in the right way on this this issue? I would say one of the things you ought to consider is is what doesn't work. And, you know, if you take the, the massive uh, rating systems that people have put in and ranking systems, um, I lived through all that. I'm old, so but I watched all that. There's no material anywhere in any institution on earth that says that works. You know why? Because it doesn't. It's not necessarily that it's ruining people, but we've put in these terrific systems that, that don't have um, – any any measurable outcomes, but see, people are doing it because they're trying to do it. Well. I think the first thing is is that we got to tell people if you want big numbers, you got to have a different culture. And they go, okay, what do I have now? You have a culture of of bosses that direct teams, which got us, you know, which got us pretty far along the way. I think women in the workplace and millennials have have, have changed the demand. I think old guys like me, the direct, you know, we just wanted a <clears throat> excuse me a paycheck. Yeah. And then our, our our mission and purpose in life was over with having a family or not going to war or some kind of some kind of thing like that. But now that it's changed, everybody's got to reset from boss to coach. Really good managers got to be great coaches or they'll never get high performance. I think people can do it. They just needed to know they need th- that that change works and is right. So many great uh, uh, ideas around strategy in this in, in this book. Uh, we we can dig into all of those. We could spend probably three four hours talking to you. Let's let's move into what you talked about with culture. And so, how do you change a culture um, that that has so many different? And I don't want to put the blame on the generational gaps, but so many different generations in an organization. How do you change that culture so that it's embraced from top to bottom? Because this is a sea change in in how people address um, how they're led and how they lead. I think it depends upon the I think it depends upon the organization's problems. I mean, if they have a you know if you have turnover like a lot of retailers and and uh, restaurant organizations do, if somewhere between 100 and 200 percent, how do you fix that? You, you don't fix it by putting in more competencies and more you know ratings and all that kind of thing. You fix it by increasing the the talent and development of the of uh, of the managers. That's that's one thing. I think then you got to talk to your board, this whole thing's got to come out of the CEO's office. The CHROs are usually the ones that execute it. But you tell them this because it's getting harder and harder to have an organization that has organic growth. Now, you have 
you know, Apple, Google, you got those big five that are exploding. But most all of the rest of the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the, the publicly traded companies, you're only, we're only down to about 3,600 of them, by the way. It's very difficult for them to get organic growth. You'll never get organic growth in, until you increase the performance of the teams. But I think that's the number I think that's the number one reason why everybody buys in fast uh, when it when it has to do with higher performance. So you talked about earlier about studying all of these different teams, and I love that you talked all the way, to, as you said, like one of the greatest teams that's ever existed on this earth with the Navy SEALs. Uh, but you, you looked at all, all these different teams, and you know when we think about organizations, I think everybody, one of our listeners, you and I, could sit here and think about, oh, well, that culture um, and, and that organization, those people love being there. They, they, they bring their extra energy to work. Uh, um, they're, they're very devoted. Uh, they're engaged. When you look at, at as, as you deem in the book, kind of the employee brand, how do you, is that something, do you have to just scrap everything and build that from the ground up? How do you focus on creating an employee brand where people rave about working there? Well, you know, first of all, what you said is exactly right. People will come to work for a fun brand, Google, Gallup, and then all of a sudden they'll quit. They didn't quit the brand. <laughs> they quit their manager. But if you say, what what kind of brand do we want for our workplace? I really admire um, Accenture. It, um, you know, it's a huge company. I think it's got 450,000 people, and everybody's kind of a professional in it. But their CEO, the late CEO, just a terrific guy, just a terrific guy. But <clears throat> He said that that the single best thing that we can offer um, starts with, with our with our workforce. And he said that what they really want is development. Let's be known for having the highest development developmental workplace in the world. So when you come to work at Accenture, we're going to figure out what your potential is, and then we're just going to maximize. We're going to get as much out of you as you possibly can. Why? Because that's what the, that's what the most talented ones want. But see, if you have a workplace of satisfaction, so let's say a young person comes to me and says, "Jim, why should I come to work at Gallup?" And I say, "Boy, do I have a deal for you! I got volleyball courts, <laughs> I got I got some ping pong tables set up, and um, I got I got uh, and you get some free lunch on certain days." And I'll, it's it's I'm missing so badly because what the stars want is they want me to talk to them about how the how their lives matter. What what can what can they come and do at their job where it changes the world on their on their good days, but the way you do that is through a high development workplace and then getting that brand out there. Otherwise, you can have a company you know you, um, talent's not visible, so you can have a bunch of kind. Let's just say they're young people. Accenture's average age is 26, which is another mind blowing thing. It's a one of the great companies in the world run by run by children, but you can. <clears throat> But you can have a bunch of people on the floor, but you don't have any talented ones because the talents don't want to be a part where satisfaction is is the is the highlight of the job. They want one with high development and mission and purpose. One of my favorite things um, that really resonated. I've been at the Ken Blanchard Companies um, in September of 2019. Will be 15 years, and and I. I love working with this organization. Um, I'm not paid to say that. I, I, I could let that, maybe I would say it's something different on the podcast. But um, one of the things I appreciate that I've learned here is, is what Ken says is um, always hire the right people. If you hire the right people, then you're, you're going to be in good shape. Even if we hire the, uh, the, the right person in the wrong position, we've hired the right person for this organizational for that fit. And so I'm finding in your research as well that you talk about a lot of rigor in making sure you're bringing the right people on board. Do you have a, a couple tips on, on what you found on, on how to make sure that, that you're bringing the right people that are going to fit into this, this, 
this new way of leadership. But you know, the so much of this, um, I don't even watch sports anymore like I used to, but it really does emulate sports. Getting the right coach makes such a difference. But some people are put on earth. Um, God wasn't uh, very egalitarian in handing out the, tr- the trade of being able to manage a team of people. Some people will have strengths that will just explode when they're managing a team. It looks to us like it's about one out of ten. There's another two out of ten employees that are functional managers. I think that's what I am. I'm not particularly talented at, at managing, but if you tell me what to do and train me and go to work on it, I can pull. I can pull it off pretty well. There's another seven of them, Chad. That's really important. They 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 don't make teams better at all, and often make them worse. So let's call it a green one in ten. You put a, a green light on, and uh, two in ten, maybe three in ten, a yellow and then a red on the other ones. But if you can get early identification of high potential managers, um, it really makes a difference in your future. So, so yes, you get, getting the right person for that job is just everything. You got, but you still got to develop them, but, but getting the high potential ones is, is uh, important. I, I, I think that, that that has to be the future of, this, uh, of, of every organization is the, the rigor to make sure, and especially um, in, in this day and age with, with how workforce, the workforce is changing, the industries are changing, uh, how we do our jobs are changing. One of the things that really intrigued me, um, and it, it, I think when you talked or, organizationally or, or generationally rather about how different generations go about it differently and have different goals, but you talk about this, this thought, idea of boss to coach. And and that that is that is kind of a you know when I, I have conversations with my 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 mom since retired you know when she talks about her workforce it's a very different world than when I talk about my workday and so how do you um, how do you see that that shift happening of people realizing that um, that that being a boss is no longer sustainable you have to be a coach and and what are some what are some ideas to kind of help people kind of start making that move towards coaching. Well, I think, first of all, the, the board and the CEO has, has to say that maximizing the potential of everything, every single employee, there's nothing more important to us than that because that's how we build great teams that, that work with customers and build our business and, and everything else. So that's, that's our highest, highest priority. And then you say to the managers, the reason we don't want you to be bosses and just direct is you'll never maximize the potential of a team because you need a great mix on your team. And that starts with the individual and knowing the strengths of each individual. That's why, as you know, Gallup, uh, we're huge advocates of uh, StrengthsFinder. Uh, we changed the name years ago to Clifton Strengths to honor the f- uh, founder, Dr. Donald O. Clifton. who worked f- 50 years on that thing, uh, categorizing or writing the taxonomy, the 34 potential strengths of a person. But we say what he figured what he figured out, Chad, was that is that the psychology and management was about figuring out what's wrong with people and then fixing that and they thought that's what developed them he said it may start with figuring out their weaknesses but then you need to mitigate them but you'll never get a person's development to really explode until you figure out what's right with them write that down and then make a strategy around their strengths so but you go back to the sports i think of most you know really well-intended uh, leadership groups in the in the Fortune 1000. If they coached a football team, they'd have the uh, you know a, 
a 185-pound wide receiver, they'd be, they'd be teaching him how to throw pancake blocks like a, like a big fat lineman, you know. Or they'd have the 300-pound lineman, you know, split wide to the right uh, uh, trying to run a, a long uh, cross pattern or something like that. Um, but you got to figure out what everybody's really good at, and then get them in that, and get them in that position. And then, I, then you got to challenge the managers, uh, the team leaders, uh, you know, to to get really high performance out of them. And you just can't do it until you know the strengths of each individual. We're talking with Jim Clifton, co-author of the book "It's the Manager," and and, and Jim, we're, we're you know we're talking about right now a, a, one of the parts that I of the book that I really really resonates with me um, about kind of bringing a more of a, of a coach mindset as a leader versus just that command and control and directive. Uh, when you think about uh, the, the, the way that, that Strength Finders and now Clifton Strengths, uh, that's been so universally loved and used in, in, in organizations uh, across the, the, the world, what do you think if, if, if I'm, let's say that I am a, a new leader, I want to do my best, um, what direction would you put them in right now so that they could attack this, this approach the right way from the very beginning? Because in a lot of cases, as you and I both know, a lot of people that move into leadership, um, they probably got there because uh, uh, they did really well on the front lines and they, got, they, they graduated up. So if, if I'm a new leader, just kind of put you on the spot. Dude. If I'm a new mm-hmm. leader, what would, what would you recommend I do? differently or right out of the gate or what what tools would i go for the uh the the guy that spent 50 years inventing this don clifton that the last letter i got from him uh, i asked him what was your biggest discovery he didn't say strengths finder he said that what i learned is that that leadership scientists are all heading down a road where there's no answer and they're trying to find the single the single taxonomy of a great leader and he said there isn't one he said great leaders pull it off in, in their own ways and he said they'll have a toolbox and they'll know just what tools they're really good at and maybe that's with you and me you know we have some you and I probably have some pretty good days but but it's using different but we pull it off on our in our own different ways I think the number one thing for an emerging leader or for a team leader is to know what their strengths are and say what we really want you to do is to maximize this team but we're not going to give you the single profile of uh, trying to be Colin Powell and Jack Welch, or you, you get the point. There's not one profile that you and I will fit into. We've got to figure out what our strengths are, and, and but that's what I would tell the person. Let's let 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 let's let, let's go through, figure that out, and then make a strategy around uh, uh, your strengths. Great advice, and we've got time for just a, a few more questions, and I really want to dig into because this was such a, a big study, and and I welcome everybody to go pick the book up. Um, but uh, let's talk about what did you find out? What were some of the aha moments? What were some of the, when you looked at the future of work, uh, what were the surprises? What were the ones that just, just maybe possibly even blew you away? Well, <clears throat> one of them that blows me away, that, that, it's, that it's, it's uh, so, so subtle. It'll sound subtle, but you say, well, why is this all changing? This all happened in my lifetime. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm old, but it's still just one lifetime. But back when I was in college at the University of Nebraska in business school, I, my great American dream, which is what our founder, Dr. Gallup, was always looking for, was to find a woman, get married, have three kids, and own my home. That's it. <laughs> and they'd say, what about your job? I go, I just want a salary of 20000 Well, 
do you have any mission and purpose in your job? You know, my answer would have been, I don't know what you're talking about because my job didn't overlap with my life or how I define myself. I define myself by that, by that family. It's, it's turned upside down now. And so now millennials and women in the workplace, they want their, their job needs to have meaning. They need to know how they're making a contribution because work and life have, have, have overlapped. And uh, I, I think that's uh, I think that's one of the biggest sociological changes of the last two hundred years, and we're still trying to adjust to it. That's actually uh, what we wrote the book for. There's a hundred gallop people that, that made that book. Sometimes I feel kind of funny when I have my name on it. I help, but, but I, you know I, I help. But when you say what changes do I need to make? So we say you need a cultural transformation. You need to go from boss to coach, and you need to work on maximizing the potential of every person. How do I do that? The book saying uh, do these 52 things and uh, you'll get there. So as we start to wrap up today, Jim, what would you say, um, all of our listeners that are that are listening in today, what, what is the, the one thing that you want each and every one of them to kind of take away from our conversation? You know, one thing, and I don't mean to sound too, I don't mean to get too American deep here, but America's performance our GDP isn't as good as the news keeps telling us, both the left-leaning and right-leaning. Our GDP over the last 10 years has been growing at about about 2%. And, you know, GDP, or GDP let's just say it's 20, 20 trillion. That's the total amount of things that we may invent, make, and buy and sell from each, each other. That's been, with the exception of about the last five quarters, that, that's been grinding down. But that means human development is grinding down. So when you see that the world is at 15% engagement, it's kind of like the other global warming. That 15% needs to be 30%. But if we were to double it, or I mean, uh, go to 50%, it 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 changed. It'd be the biggest change. Uh, I think um, uh, men and women appeared about 200,000 years ago in the Savannah Plains and all that. And you know, we'd go we'd go tens of thousands of years with no change. But humankind d- develops more in in uh, spurts. It's not it's not linear. I think that if we could get onto this, I think that it would be the biggest spurt that w- that we've had in 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 hundreds in hundreds of years because it absolutely changes how leadership uh, develops people. So focus on the people. Focus on those relationships. Build engagement. Get an engaged workforce. Increase those numbers. And what you're saying is that should have exponential. Uh, impact on the bottom line. Yeah, and maybe most of all, individualize it to to, indivi- to people's strengths. Absolutely. Well, Jim, thank you so much for uh, taking some time today uh, to be on the on the Leader Chat podcast. If people wanted to dig a little bit deeper into you, into your organization, into this book, uh, where would you send them? Well, um, uh, Gallup.com. You get on there and you can find every, everything we have. Anything more about me, you can just Google Jim Clifton Gallup. Uh, but, but thank you so much for having an interest in what we're doing. Well, well, Jim, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Have a great rest of the day. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, 
or Google Play or wherever you're listening, and please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, I enjoyed listening to your interview with Jim Clifton about his book, It's the Manager. And I agree with Jim that we need to talk about managers, not as managers, but as coaches. And I've said for a long time that if you're talking about dealing with your people, there's three aspects of it. Performance planning, where you set the goals and objectives. And if you're using SL2, you'd analyze their development level and determine what's appropriate leadership style. Then the second aspect is day-to-day coaching. And the third is performance evaluation. Unfortunately, most people, and this is the the management philosophy, spend the most time on evaluation, filling out forms and evaluating their people. No, the most time ought to be spent in day-to-day coaching. Once the goals are accomplished, I mean, are agreed upon, now it's your job uh, to coach them so that they what? They get an A average. You know, I used to uh, say as a college professor, I was in trouble because I gave the final exam out the first day of class. And the faculty say, what are you doing? I say, I'm confused. They say, you acted. I said, I thought we were supposed to teach these kids. You are, but don't give them the questions in the final. And I'd say, not am I going to give them the questions in the final. What do you think I'm going to do all semester? I'm going to teach them the answers. So when they get to the final exam, they get A. And teaching people the answer is all about coaching. Coaching. So, Jim, keep up the good work. I think you're really on to something. And, Chad, you're not all that bad either. 